0: Yep.
1: lady in the green here, lady in lady the green, down. long hair, right here, straight ahead of us, Co- yep, right. that's the couple, that's the couple, um, when with her husband, in the green. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah, and then um, oh, and then to our right here, um, chit-chatting to her. Okay. All right. Thanks, everyone, for coming out tonight. It looks like we have everyone here except for one life group leader couple that are out of town. Jane and Kelly are out of town, so that's a great showing. Awesome. And then we also invited the, some of the youth group leaders, the senior high youth group leaders. So we have Colton here and Ethan here um, as well. And, yep, we have a few more of these. If you didn't get one of these, these have been floating around. A handout for Ben's teaching here in a second. Okay. All right. Well, life group leaders, youth group leaders, um, we haven't had a meeting as life group leaders for quite a while, but it's kind of one of those ministries that goes on behind the scenes, and I communicate with you behind the scenes. So... There are a lot of good things happening with life groups. For those of you who don't know, we have a couple that are starting up here. Uh, Bob and Wendy Lusfield are um, kicking off a life group here, and um, they're coming, and a multiplication of Brian and Mindy's group. So they are starting a new group, and we're excited about that. Julie Barrett just um, recently, in the last you know few months here, started a women's group life group, Meeting in Marshall. So that's exciting, too. There's some women that are plugged in and going up there with her. And um, a few life groups are changing, evolving, and um, good things happening there. So um, behind the scenes, as you know, I can plug people into your groups, and we'll email back and forth, chat back and forth about that. But feel free, you won't offend anyone on a Sunday morning. If you're you know, chatting with someone in church you've never met before, just ask them, hey, you know, have you, been, have you been invited to a life group? If they haven't, then that's a good opportunity for you to tell them about life groups. And I always have, which I'm going to update after tonight with all your new info, on one of these life group leader lists with your pictures on it. So I often give a new person at church, here are our leaders, and here's a picture so you can put a face to the name and go from there. So feel free to, to continue to invite people to your life group. However, a lot of times you will ask me first, which is fine too, have they been invited to one, and then I'll do some investigation and we get them plugged in. Either way is fine, but um, don't shy away from just being forward and asking. Um, the life groups will continue to meet. Our goal is for you guys to meet uh, twice a month, though some of you have chosen to really commit to once a month. And I know with little kids and stuff like that, sometimes once a month if you commit to it and you do it, um, that's great. But twice a month is really the goal. And so if you can, you know, you can commit to twice a month, that's awesome. If it's once a month that's just working for you guys and you're in a groove, then keep it up. But um, just get that commitment. One thing that I hear from you guys is, Scheduling is hard. Commitments are hard. People are busy. Well, we're all busy, and that um, just—you know—I encourage people that I hear that are getting frustrated. And if you've ever led a group of people, you're going to get frustrated, right? Because it's people. <laughs> um, but look at look at your group. See what time works, and commit to a couple dates. So, say you're going to meet on a Friday night. So, talk with your group about May and June. Pick two. Friday nights, and commit to them, communicate it, and commit. And no matter who shows up, even if people bail at you the night before, you still meet. Because otherwise it creates this culture of, are we meeting and aren't we? Oh, life group, do you think we're meeting? Oh, I don't know. And then it's kind of this wish-washy thing. But if you're a leader and you say, I'm going to meet even if it's one-on-one time. Maybe we just have a cup of coffee at night and end up praying with with one person in our group, it's not a loss of time. It was God-ordained either way. So pick your times and then decide, communicate it to everyone, and then just commit. Just do it. Um, Eventually, it will create this culture of, oh, I know they're going to meet whether I come or not, and um, it'll create that consistency that we're really looking for them in them. So I want to encourage you in that aspect to continue the fight in that scheduling war that we all play. Um, it is important. Um, the life groups, you know, they're here to connect, connect people together with each other, connect them to God. And then there's that discipleship piece that's growing, growing their spiritual. Life, growing in relationship with others, and that's where you guys can kind of see the people in your group. Oh, she's really talented at this, or, God, oh, you know, he's got a real knack for this. And sometimes you guys shoot me emails and say, you know, she'd be really good at children's ministry. Perfect. You know, you're, you're seeing those, those God-given talents in those people and then, you know, plugging them in. They might not ever be small group leaders, but they're going to be leaders in one facet or another. So there's that discipleship piece and then the connect, grow, serve, the serve part is, um, like I said, they might not serve in a small group leader role, but they're going to serve somewhere in some way. They're going to influence people in their lives. So if you can kind of just foster that and develop that and the people in your group, one way or another, what's, it, it's, maybe it's in their workplace, maybe it's, you know, out in the community, maybe it's right here in these four walls. Either way, they all have influence, they all have purpose, and kind of just seeing that in each person in your group. So that's the purpose of them. Um, I'd encourage you to, throughout the summer, a lot of times groups use more social nights. You know, you're doing studies and topics and this and that, but it is a great time of year to do a few social nights and view them as evangelistic outreaches. Um, have a barbecue, and then you can also invite your neighbors or friends and stuff that typically won't come to your living room for a Bible study but they might come over to barbecue or golf or something like that. And that's just a way to kind of, you know, draw them into maybe eventually coming into your living room for a cup of coffee and a Bible study. So just different things to think about um, and communicate with your group. But there's a lot of good growth in these. And uh, I'll be honest, I'm already looking for a couple new life group leaders. Some are dissolving a little bit, and as more people come into the church... I know several of your groups are, like, max size, so so be looking for those people underneath you, too, Um, and if you have someone on your mind that could lead a group, please let me know as well. With that, um, I'm going to pass around while uh, Ben is teaching and just throughout the evening. This is just my little update you're familiar with, but just fill out the update, where you meet, when you meet, who's in your group, that um, thing again. And I put all the updates on, like I said, this, this list with your names and your meeting times and your photos to get those out to the newcomers in church. So please update me. You can pass these around. Once you fill it out, just put it behind the other ones and just keep passing the clipboards and then I'll col- collect them at the end of the night. So I'll pass those around. And um, Ben is going to teach tonight and minister tonight on leadership, on why we're here. Um, we're all leaders in this room, and uh, he's going to speak to that. But first, I'm going to pray. Father, Lord, I thank you that, that we have the opportunity to serve, God, that we have the opportunity to influence the lives of these people, Lord, in our life groups, in our youth group, Father, Lord, we're all leaders in one aspect or another. and God, I just pray that you would speak to us tonight, refresh us. Pray that we'd have uh, just a real energy going into the next um, period of time in our small groups. Lord, I pray that you would just keep drawing people to our small groups, Lord, and that they would be a time of real spiritual growth. Lord, I pray for every leader here that you would just touch them tonight and speak clearly to them. And again, God, just give them that that bold energy, Lord, to bring to their group. Lord, I pray over Ben, and I pray that he would just bring a fresh word tonight to us and that, Father, you would speak clearly to him. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Ben Goodman. I think most of you are familiar with him. He's been snowed in this past weekend um, with Mike Nelson, and they are... Great friends still. <laughs>
0: Did it work? Well, hello. Yeah, you betcha. Hello. Yeah, check, check, check. You betcha. That's how they do it in Minnesota. Anyway, uh, great to be with you. I uh, April in Minnesota. No, oh, really, I'm, I'm still trying to psychologically crawl out of what I just experienced this weekend. No, and see, that's the thing that bothers me, because you guys are so used to this. Oh, only 10 inches, you know, by 10 o'clock, the roads will be clear. But even you guys are going, dang. So, well, here we are, the, ro- the roads are clear. And what is it, tomorrow, you're only going to get like three to five? See, I don't even know how to I think, think. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to think like that, <laughs> only three to five, anyway, um, I'm not going to lecture you, I don't want to speak at you, but I want to talk to you about your idea of leadership, your idea of church, and how that, both those ideas might be different than God's, okay, they're not, I'm starting, I'm from New Jersey, And so that's a built-in excuse, you know, for not having people skills. Um, I think a lot of our ideas about leadership, our ideas about church, though they're sincere and they're sort of partially right, they're actually, they're not fully God's ideas. And I want to help all of us along in that, okay? I'm going to say something pretty weird, um, pretty bold, but it's actually true. Um, I'm going to talk about leadership first, It's the concept of leadership. Everything rises or falls on leadership and leadership culture. Everything. And before you get all spiritual on me and go, well, what about God, all right? If you look through the Bible, uh, God chooses uh, to do things through leaders, Throughout the whole Bible, Adam was like a leader over his little plantation. I mean, this doesn't make leaders more valuable in God's eyes, but you've got to realize that everything, everything, everything in God's economy rises and falls on, on the quality of leadership and for a group, and so the quality of the Leadership culture, you know, how you look at leaders. Um, one of the things, like our church, look, it's not because we're big, but we're a big church. We're, depending on how you count, between 9,500 and 10,000. And you know what we're known for? We're known for two things outreach and leadership development. And I'm the pastor of leadership development. And when I first said yes to that position, I said, yes, and then go, what the heck did I just say yes to? Because it's so big. It's all this, you know. And the guy that I was accountable to, he goes, why don't you actually live out what you teach to other churches? That the primary job of a leader is to develop other people, not to do things. And I went, oh, yeah, that's right. Here I am. I would teach that, but in the back of my soul was the idea that real leaders are the ones who do everything. It was, it was very difficult. So I hope you have some of those aha moments. Stuff you think you know, but then when, <laughs> but then your soul might rise up and go, wait a second. We are all leaders. This was a big revelation for our church maybe 15 years ago. Uh, Michael Fletcher, he wanted to develop a leadership culture, meaning people who saw themselves as leaders, you know, for the kingdom of God to grow, you've got to raise up leaders. How do you do that? Uh, you could have classes or you could have a culture. <laughs> you grow a lot more in a culture than a class. And, but he found that one of the problems was, as soon as you start talking about leadership development, 80% of the people listening to you go, well, that's for the other 20%. Because I you know, I serve God, I'd like to help, and yada, yada, yada. And so it took a while for them to go, wait a second. Everybody's a leader and and here's the first thing you want to keep in mind. Here's what makes you a leader. You have a you have a sphere of influence and within that sphere of influence you can demonstrate kingdom living and you have opportunity to develop people. Those three things. Now if you're dead you don't have a sphere of influence. Really. But if you're alive then you're, you're a leader. You have a sphere of influence and in that sphere, you have the opportunity to demonstrate kingdom living and develop people. So that makes a single mom just as much of a leader as I am. It makes a husband just as much a leader as Mike Nelson. The difference is where God puts my li- where God... <laughs> Where God puts my leadership gift, he places it in a different place in the kingdom than he places yours. My responsibilities are a lot different than yours. The authority that God gives me is very different than what he gives yours, but we're all leaders. uh, For those of you who have just been around for a while, there was, uh, you know, we're all kings and priests, and so we we started running into the Korah's rebellion thing. You know, Moses say, well, do this. And these other guys said, well, we can hear from God just as much as you. You know, and we're Levites, you know. Um, we, we have position. We're leaders, too. And they had the idea that since we're all leaders, that means we all have the same authority. That's not true. It's just not true. I mean, I have authority over my children. Um, and, you know, if you're a father, well, you're a father. You have authority over your children. You can't come into my house and tell my kids what to do unless you talk to me, right? And you go, well, I'm a father too. I have authority and all that. Great, but this is my sphere. Not my territory, this is my sphere. So here's the thing. We all are leaders. The difference between you and me is not I'm a leader and you're just a a lay person. The difference between me and you is that I'm given a certain sphere of influence, and you have a different one. That actually is earth-shattering when you start applying it to your own life. Um, We can all grow as leaders. I want to talk more about what that is. Just because we have the position, just because we have some sort of God-given authority, it doesn't mean that we know how to use it well. We just don't. I, I knew I was called to preach long time ago and I've listened to some of my early messages it wasn't good <laughs> you know, theologically and just everything it was just sort of little whack um, I had the authority, I had the position but I had to learn some stuff I had to grow so just because we're a leader, we're all leaders it doesn't mean we can all lead well that, that means we can all grow in these things you know um, if you're a husband, great Are you growing as a husband? Are you a small group leader? Yeah. Are you growing? We can, and actually you'll see why we must. Not in a legalistic sense, but it's like, (laughs) who wouldn't want to grow in their position of authority? For us to develop uh, develop as leaders, it has more to do with developing and expanding who we are than it is with mastering certain skills. Although people skills are very important, you know, and studying is very important. But if you'll notice, your most influential leaders in your life. It's not so much what they taught you, but who they were. It, it, it's just, it, it is such a powerful truth um, that who we are is, is like the secret sauce to our capacity to lead well. And if you'll notice how God grows us, he gives us skills, he gives us knowledge, he gives us opportunities, and he gives us experience, but it's all designed to expand us. Here's a good example. I'm, I'm just going to use examples about myself and all my failures. Not all of them, but at least some of them. Um, years ago, I was not known for my patience. And then, and so early on, I could preach, I could teach, but don't be asking me to, you know, help anybody. I mean, because I wasn't good at it, you know. But then I I got responsibility, and like you'd mentioned, some of these people were just like, they were unreliable. Or they said, yeah, that's a great idea. And then they wouldn't do it. Uh, You know, all these sorts of things. And I found out that I was an incredibly... Impatient person And pretty prideful I'm sitting there going well At least I'm not as bad as they are I, It was an amazing thing Until I realized God put those people In my life To expand me So I could learn to love them The way Jesus loves them Oh I hated that I hated that And then once I learned that lesson When people get irritated at me I go look God just brought me into your life so you could learn to love more like Jesus. Now, anyway, but it's true. It's really true. Um, many times we're, where we're weak is exactly the place that God puts us in. Have you ever noticed that? God told Moses, I want you to be my spokesman. The guy stuttered. Can you imagine that? Surely God would never take who you are and who you're not and put you in a place where you're going to have to minister out of who you're not. God does it all the time. Anyway, here's some things. Be fruitful and multiply. I want to say something bizarre. That's not an option. But it's actually not a command either. When God said to Adam, be fruitful and multiply, he wasn't telling him to do anything. God's words have power. Adam was just sort of in the process of being formed. What God did is used words and downloaded his basic capacities. You will be the kind of being that will produce fruit and you are going to influence for better or worse. That's your hard drive. The real issue is what's our software. (laughs) But this piano stand or piano stand, uh, music stand. It doesn't produce anything. No fruit. And you don't see a whole bunch of other stands. It has a function but there's no fruit. It doesn't reproduce. Human beings are wired. They're wired to not only produce certain fruit but also to reproduce after themselves to multiply. Um so, it does, to sit there and go, well, I'll just decide to be fruitful, but I won't multiply. Have you ever met people who they love to do ministry, but they're just adverse to reproducing? Go, well, I'm not much of a reproducer. Guess what? By your example, you're reproducing. By your example, you're reproducing. So, how God works in us is He knows our basic capacities, we're going to produce fruit. And we're going to have impact. The process of sanctification is God sort of exchanging our old hardware, our old software for new ones. Think about that. Leadership development is God continually giving us new software and pushing out some old software. Um, In Matthew 28, Jesus commands, now it's more of a command, I want you to go and make disciples. Here's what's funny. Though it's a command, it's something we're going to do anyway. I know this is bizarre. Wherever we go, however we live, in our going, we are going to be discipling people. We're going to be influencing people. Uh, We're going to impact people by what we say, what we don't say, what we do, what we don't do. Jesus is sitting there going, you know this basic capacity that you have, right? This is what I want it to look like. I'm going to give you some software. In your going, intentionally impact other people so that they eventually will learn to obey me. I mean, it, that, that's, just, that's just the basic way of living. And whether you're a Sunday school teacher, whether you're, I don't know, whether you're sweeping, whether you're preaching, in your going, Take your capacity and and create opportunities where you can influence people so they follow Jesus. Um, In 1 Timothy 4, Paul's talking to Timothy and he says, I want you to watch or examine or pay attention to your life, how you actually live, and your doctrine, how you actually think. Look at it. Be attentive. Let other people you know, talk to you in areas where you have blind spots. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Like, don't let up. Because if you do, if you just live a life of examining how you're doing and letting other people to give you insights. You know, if you're married, if you're a guy and you're married, your wife knows all your blind spots. Absolutely. So, you know, watching is a team sport. (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm responsible for watching my life, but the smart, I go, honey, what do you see? And she'll give me information I don't have. But anyway, I digress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in that. Make it a lifestyle, because if you do, watch this. You will both. You will save both yourself and your hearers. In other words, you know, um, save there is so so. It means the whole the whole package that God has purchased for us. It says. If we will examine how we actually live, how we actually think and be open to growing, right, not only will we experience more of what God has for us, but just by living that way, we will impact those who've been entrusted to us. Like Therefore, there's no such thing as secret sin. There's no such thing as private sin. Okay, when we lead people. I don't know what your models have been. Maybe authoritarian. Yeah, who knows? Or some people think the best leaders are the ones who facilitate, you know, and give medals out to anybody who participates. <laughs> Sorry, that was just for me. Um, leadership is, pri- is more about developing people than accomplishing goals or ticking off tasks. Now. God, doesn't, God does not tell us, well, here's two things, get the job done or develop people, which one are you going to do? He doesn't say that. He says, I want you to do both, but your emphasis is going to be on developing people. When we lay people on the altar of getting the job done, well, we can do better, we can do better. Um... Developing people, I think there's two specific things we can hone in on. You, you already mentioned it. Who they're created to become. Not necessarily who they are, because have you ever known some people who they are? Mm, they need an upgrade. I mean, really. I mean, I look in the mirror and go, I need an upgrade. Yes, Jesus, I know you love me, but I need an upgrade. Ministry has a lot to do with seeing who someone can become and then serving that, accepting them where they are, but helping them go forward so they can grow into who God created them to be, and to help them understand and then g- fulfill the purposes that God has. And, you know, if I tried to make you be another version of me, that would be tough, I know, for both of us. But the, my job as a leader is not... If, if there's something that, of, of me that you can learn, great. Great but my job is to serve you in such a way that you can get a clearer idea of how God made you and to equip you, give whatever you need that I can give you so that you can grow, so you can fulfill your purposes. Because God made you. I didn't. He gave the church um, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers, otherwise known as leaders, he gave them to equip the saints. Doesn't say just teach. Equipping is more than teaching. To equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Actually, those are two distinct things because building up the body is something that we're all called to do. We're all part of the family. Use our gifts to help one another out and all. But our ministry will include the body but will also be for out there in our community, at our workplace, whatever it is we're called to do. We are God, this is non negotiable. We don't have to guess. God's got the answers. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in, the, in them. Part of my, when I disciple, like one on one mentoring, <sighs> the first few things, I got to get to know this person. You know, where they're broken, where they're healthy, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and to do it in a way where we develop a relationship. And yes, there are principles. There are definitely principles I want to lay in there. But gosh, it, all mentoring is going to be a customized job. All of it. I mean, raise your kids. You try to raise... If you have, if you have more than one kid, you not, you, you're going to have your principles of the house. But if you try to make carbon copies of each of your kids, Someone's going to die. Might be you. Might, they may kill you. Now, anyway, now here's the fun. You know, you keep on talking about, well, the small groups are behind the scenes. You may be behind the scenes in some way, but God's sitting there going, you guys are front and center. You guys are front and center. Because you're not in the pulpit, I, I'm, I'm not schmoozing you. What you do is absolutely essential to this church family. What you do is so valuable. As a matter of fact, in some respects, you have a greater capacity to impact people than staff pastors. But we'll get into that in a second. Have you noticed that real development, real development, not theoretical development, not knowing more, Have you noticed that the actual development happens within the context of relationships? For those of you who remember what it was like to not be married and to be madly in love with the person you're going to marry. You weren't blinded. You knew it was going to be tough. You had everybody say, hey, look, enjoy the honeymoon. It won't last long. All those really encouraging things that stupid people say. Um, And you had a good idea what it was going to look like. And you had a good idea who you were. You had a good idea who, who your spouse was. And then it was game time. You started, you know, sharing the toothpaste. And, and which way to do the toilet roll, you know. Really, all those sorts of things. Or, oh my gosh, they snore. You know, all these sorts of stuff. We can have perfect, strife-free relationships so long as we don't have relationships. But if you notice, real growth happens in the context of relationships. Dealing with different people at different stages. That's where, that's, where, that's where I grow the best. You know, I have people speaking in my life. I have really good friends. I got some people who I think are enemies of mine, so I have to pray for them more. And then I have my children, I have my wife, and all these things God uses expand me. You know, not necessarily always to humble me, but he'll expand me. He'll stretch me. I'll go, God, I cannot love this person. So, Lord, I'm going to blame you. Love this person through me, because I can't do it. It's amazing how I develop when I have to deal with people. I mean, y'all hearing me? All right. So, if de- development happens best in the context of relationships can you see why small groups are important huge as a famous polit- well he's not a politician but huge <laughs> sorry for those of you who are still upset um Small groups are not these behind the scene add-ons that are sort of optional when it comes to your walk with Jesus. They're absolutely necessary. I'm, I'm giving you my opinions, giving you a the layout, then I'm going to give you a scripture in a couple of minutes so you can't just blow me off, right? Um, if small groups are the places where people can really learn to grow, really learn to grow. Can you see how important small group leaders are? Oh. I'm telling you, no matter how qualified you think you are, no matter how, you know, or, or unqualified, the role you play in small groups is huge. You're important. Not just, I'm not tapping you on the head and go, you know, this might encourage you. Good job, you know. I'm not going to kinder music you. Good job. You really are important. When you go, I want, I'm willing to lead a small group, do you realize what you're stepping into? You're stepping into an opportunity, many opportunities to grow and develop and be stretched, right? To depend on God more. But also, you are putting yourself in a position where you can reproduce. Where you can multiply. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so we can tie this down with scripture. So you can just get a good picture. Oh, more scripture. If you look at the example of Jesus, in particular, when we consider Jesus' fundamental why, like why he does something, What's the thing that drives him? When we see those two things, we should be able to draw from it. You know, Jesus did many things. He raised the dead. He was a great teacher. He had anointing. He got in the face of Pharisees. But his fundamental why was, I'm going to demonstrate and advance my daddy's kingdom no matter what, my, what the cost to me. That, that's what drove him. My father wants me to demonstrate relationship with him, demonstrate kingdom living and do it in such a way that it advances his kingdom. I mean, if you just take those two things and then just sort of draw it around his whole ministry you'll go, oh my gosh, that's true. Everything Jesus did he was either demonstrating what the kingdom of God was like um, you know, what, what kingdom relationship was it, or he was advancing the kingdom. He was exposing and opposing anything that got in the way of people knowing who God was really like. It's just an amazing thing. He, w- he was a nice guy. I mean, he was Jesus, right? But th- he was driven. He was driven. That was the very essence of Jesus when he walked the earth. Which, by the way, this is a side note. This is for free. The rest of what I'm going to share is going to cost you. You know, when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, did you know we're getting br- spill- filled with the Spirit of Jesus? You know, I'm finding the more I'm genuinely surrendered to and filled with the Holy Spirit, I start taking on that same sort of drive, that same sort of focus. I mean, I'm a little more gregarious. Some of you are a little more mellow, but that's not the issue on on the outside. The inside, when you're actually really filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, you start, your motivations start changing. They really do. But anyway, so his mission, his why was to demonstrate and advance the kingdom of God. What was his method? Yes, he taught. But his primary method was discipleship. He had large groups, but he, he spent his best, most of his best time, he poured his most into a small group of people. That was his way of Reprodu- reproducing himself Jesus could have just had a really great ministry, died for us raised from the dead you know, but he mentored what our lives can look like live life and do it with other people so that they can draw from you that was Jesus' method we have his mission, his method I just came up by the way with those, these three M's this, the third one was harder M-O, modus, modus operandi. What Jesus here when he walked the earth, he actually reproduced that in the early church. Fascinating thing. God pours out his spirit, all this, and what happens? A church has started, and near the end of the second chapter of Acts, what happens? They started doing life together, the apostles are starting to teach. People are getting changed. They're getting transformed. They're developing a community. And they st- then they, you know, they met in the synagogue. Then they met in homes. Which is more important? False question. They're equally important. They're really, really necessary. Um, Jesus' MO was ministry through both large congregational meetings and small groups. He hasn't changed that basic thing. Uh, Just as a side note, our whys drive what we do and how we do it. No No matter what we say and sometimes no matter what we think. If you examine what we do and how we do it, it's a great diagnostic tool. Just look at what you do and how you do it. And you can pretty much work backwards and figure out why you're doing it. You know what's your motivation? Okay. Let's say this guy a guy goes, man, I, I just I just really love my family. They're number one priority. Okay. Let's look at your checkbook. What do you spend your money most on? What do you, you know? Well, I got fishing. You know. um, what uh, What do you spend your most time on? I mean, genuine quality time. What do you do that? When, when, when someone in theory says they're about this, then you look at what they do and how they do it, you can find out the real thing. I mean, sometimes that's embarrassing. I mean, it's been with me. Years ago, I loved doing gigs. I love doing ministry. And in my head, I'm advancing the kingdom of God. And just God got a hold of me. He convicted me. He just said, you know, your heart's just not right. Because I thought, oh my gosh, all these people love me. I'm accepted. I'm good. It was the weirdest thing. And I, I didn't change doing ministry, but I had, I had to exchange my why for God's why. You know, I still think I got a little bit of that going on. But do you know what I'm saying? And so I looked at my schedule, and I realized I was filling up the schedule so that I would feel accepted. Painful. When, when the Holy Spirit just turned the light on, convicted me of that, said, you know something? I want to change that. Anyway, our whys really do drive our what's and our how's. Um, you know, when people go, oh, yes, I want to have great impact on people. You know, I just want to advance the kingdom of God, really influence lives. Okay, you want to learn how to disciple people? You want to reproduce? No, I'd rather do what I do. Now, does that make them bad? Absolutely not. But you find out what's really driving them is, I just want to be fruitful. That's the thing that drives me. As opposed to be, I want to multiply. I've shared this so many times, I've probably shared it with you. But it is a real truism with me. I mean, it's profound. Academically, I've had a pretty good run. Um, Gotten a few degrees. Got uh, They hand me the diploma, walk across the stage. And honestly, each time—high school, college, graduate school—each time, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Rightly so. Why? I worked hard. I invested. I earned my degrees. Of course, when I got my graduate degrees, um, I was saved then, so I had to give some glory to God. But it's still a sense of personal accomplishment. I mean, there can be a good product. Yes. All right. My heart was big, and I. Now, my girls are still young, 15, 14, and soon to be 9. So they haven't gotten any diplomas yet. But I'll tell you this, and I know it's true. I don't live for my fruitfulness near as much as I live for their fruitfulness. I know, my kids are already telling me, when I get my diploma, Dad, can you just sit in the far back? All right? So when I see them walk, I'll go, I'll give all the glory to God, and I'll say, yeah, they made right choices, but I'll go... I had a part in that. I, and that was my passion. And that's actually the passion of mature leaders. We go. It's not what I do, it's what I can help other people do. And that's what you get excited about. And since I know you're all such a, you guys are really generous, you like people and all that, your transition to that will be a lot easier than my transition. When Someone's success makes you more happy than your own. Um, Here's the thing Jesus' why is really inconvenient. I'm just telling you. The idea that, okay, why do we have church? Why do we have church? Well, as we all know, the church is a hospital for broken people so they can come to be loved and put back together. That's true. But is that the primary reason why we have church? Nope. It's an important part of it. But it's not the primary why. Or it's a place where the people can come together so we can be protected from the big bad world. Well, in a way that should be true. But that's not the primary reason why. The primary reason we are here, the fundamental reason, is that Jesus would minister to his people in such a way that he becomes bigger in them. And the evidence of a church that's being built by Jesus is that the gates of hell would not prevail. That there is moving out. It's not just being fruitful, having good meetings and really good devotions. That as Jesus builds us, something happens. The evidence is that our arrow goes out. The gates of hell will not prevail. At the very least, we start Living out and experiencing more of the great commission it's we na- may not be evangelists, but our basic arrow starts going out that's basically Matthew sixteen Th- i'll reveal myself to my people, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it wow and then matthew twenty eight uh, in your going yep, have great meetings, teach each other, do also But in your going, the primary reason for the existence of the church is that in your going, you're making disciples. Whether it's you're going to your home, to your workplace, or in the church, you're looking for opportunities to demonstrate the kingdom, maybe lead people into the kingdom, and disciple them in such a way they can follow Jesus in their own lives. That's the big reason why we have church. All the other ones are really important. But as soon as those other reasons are more important than the primary reason, well, what we produce is not nearly as vibrant. In Acts chapter 1-8, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have great meetings, you'll be refreshed, you'll be delivered of things, and you'll be healed emotionally. And isn't that the primary reason why God fills us with the Holy Spirit, why we have revivals? No. Is that part of the package? Absolutely. You've just been in the presence of God. Oh, how could it get any better? Oh, that's right, heaven. But until then, this is great. But the primary reason is, you'll have power to be my disciples. I mean, to be my witnesses. To be demonstrations and expressions of Jesus. The, the Holy Spirit is primarily here to give us the power to demonstrate and advance the kingdom wherever we go, whether it's in our community or in our home or even in Greece. I don't know why I said Greece, but, oh, I think John and Nieder went to Greece. <laughs> anyway, um, that's usually a challenge. When you're dealing with people, you've got to really remind yourself Okay, wait a second. Why am I here? Jesus, help me so that the kingdom of God, of God can be advanced through me. Oh God, these people, I need wisdom to disciple them instead of wisdom on how to avoid being around them or, or wisdom on how to blame them for why they're not doing good. There's something about when his why becomes more predominant in us. It challenges our own whys, but that's how we grow. That's how we grow. Um, uh, the problem of barren leaders. Baron leaders. They love people. Yeah, you know, they, they do things, but leaders develop people. They don't just teach them. Yeah, my my oldest daughter one time she, she was dad she was almost (laughs) lip-syncing some of the things I was telling her, you know. I go, Dad, I know it, I know it, I know it. And she just said it. She goes, I know I'll get around to doing it. You know, I'm struggling with that. But, Dad, I need more time with you. That hurt. But here's the thing. I want her to grow. Me just teaching her and telling her, it was good. I mean, she heard it. She, I mean, she, she obeys. She does. And she's happy she does. But when I pour my life into her, when, when I'm actually trying to reproduce something in her other than compliance, I'm a better daddy. I mean, I still stink, but I'm, I stink less than I used to. Um, barren leaders are like that. And we know it. We know it. We know we're doing everything we know to do. We're not getting the results. Usually we beat ourselves up or we try to ju- justify ourselves. Instead of doing, going to either side of the ditch, just go, hey, God, there's some things in my heart. Would you please expand me so that I can not only be fruitful, God, show me different ways, change my heart, give me great different opportunities so I can multiply. You know, barren leaders, when you get frustrated that you're not getting the results you think you should have, You can get discouraged, or you can blame someone, or you could look at it as one of your best leadership opportunities. Lord, I give up my idea of what it is to be a successful Christian. (laughs) Would you expand me so I could not only be fruitful, but so I can multiply? And that's where the change comes. It's really cool. I've gone through that many times. So here's how you change your why. I think it's a lifelong process, all right? Um, in John chapter 20, the disciples are following Jesus. They love what he's doing. They're really excited. And they're pretty excited that they're associated with him. Look, I'm with the big guy. And uh, Jesus is doing cool stuff. They worshiped him. And then Jesus turned to him and he says, you know, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Can you imagine that? Whatever it is you're doing, Whatever it is you're you're doing, whatever you think your gifting is, whatever your lane is, that's great. That's awesome. But can you and your following Jesus thinks he's great, and he just turns to you and says, "Hey, um, you know, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you." Would that startle you? Would you go, "Wait a second. I, d- I just want to teach people, or I just want, but as the Father sent me, my mission is your mission." I mean, you don't have to die for anybody's sins. You don't, don't do that. But, you know, my mission is your mission. My MO is your MO. My method is your method. As a father sent me, I'm sending you. That, should, that challenges me. You can either go, well, God, good enough is good enough. I know you still love me. Or you can go, God, would you just do things in me that would grow me toward a more robust version of what I'm currently doing and just see what God does. I have found that surrendering my wise for his wise without knowing what it's going to look like is really helpful. You know, um, God, this is what I want. This is where I'm comfortable. This is where I'm secure (laughs) for me to be even more reproductive my whatever's I got alright I surrender my whys for your whys would you please grow me okay he does miracles I mean look at me <laughs> the second thing is even if other people don't do what you say <laughs> or if other people just sort of oh well he's my home group leader or she's my, make a del- deliberate decision to value your position, and your responsibility. Value it. Don't blow it off. This is not, this is not a religious, come on, you've got to be really good small group leaders. There's a general principle. What you value, what you really care about, is the thing that you'll be most responsible with. Have you ever noticed that? When you, That's the evidence that you care about it, is that you're going, hmm, I want to do well in this, or I'm willing to improve on this. I'm willing to change. This is true in business. This is true in marriages. This is true in anything. When I find out if someone really cares about something by how they handle it, and they're willing to either protect it or improve it. You value your calling. You value your position. Same old, same old is dangerous. But when you really value God, thank you for what I'm doing. I want more. Show me how to do this better. Give me better people skills. It's just an amazing thing. So really choose to value where God's placed you. Because you being a small group leader, sorry, it really fundamentally was not your idea. For some of you, God tricked you into it, He did. Right? You're part of a small group and then the leader leaves and there you are. You know, th- God will put us in positions where we have to depend on him. So one of the ways you can, t- uh, two ways you can uh, value properly your position and responsibility. Choose to grow as a leader for other people's sakes. Not just your own. The people that God's going to entrust to you I want to grow. I want to expand for their sake. Remember that scripture in Timothy. Watch how you live and act so that as you grow, you'll impact others, those who who are hearing you. The other one is, depend on God for your personal development and expansion. I can't tell you how many times, I go, God, I can't do this, or I don't want to do this. In the place where I'm most resistant or place where I'm most afraid. That's the place where I say, God, I'm afraid, I'm resistant. Just being honest. Here, I give you a title to this area. Change me here. And it's weird how he does it, little by little by little. They're not all, all at once. And then the last one is, I think, the, one of the hardest things to do. You know how p- some people are passively Teachable. Oh you know, yeah, you know, if someone wants to help me out, I'm open. I'm open. I think that's great. But to be actively teachable and actively discipleable, to actually pursue. You know, I'm I'm not trying to cast vision for your sphere, but I think it'd be great if you guys every so often get together and and everybody says, here's one challenge that I met in my small group. And here's how I sought God. And here's the resources that I got. And here's the results that I got. And then you report that so everybody else can learn from it. Just, or here's another one. <laughs> to be teachable is always to look at other people who may be a little bit further down the road and asking them, asking them, hey, is there anything I can do to upgrade? change, you know, just change, can you help me? Um, that's why men's groups, when men really commit to it so they can be better husbands, if they're, pff, the ladies are going, oh yeah, this works. You know, oh, or some ladies go, oh dang, you just removed all my excuses for leaving that guy. He's changing right before my, eye. anyway. But there's something about actively pursuing, you know, how can I up my game? It doesn't mean your game's bad, but to actively want, I want to grow as a leader in my group. Now, you are definitely not Jesus. But, she's not your small group coordinator. She's a small group Pastor. And I've known her enough to where if I was leading a small group, I'd probably talk to you about once a month. Now I wouldn't have to wait for her to call up and go, hey, how are things doing? This is me. I know you got, you don't, please, you don't have to be like me. Brother, definitely, you don't have to be like me. But I'd be going, hey, this is my group. You know, there's a number of people. Here's my frustrations. Here's my successes. You know, I just want to keep you abreast of... And, she'll have an opinion, she'll go, hey, this is really good, have you thought about this, blah, blah, blah. And, and there are other people who are good at this, Mike's really good at this, Cindy's, re- I mean, there are a number of you are really good, Brian's really good at this, wherever you are, look for someone who's just sort of, maybe not better than you, but you know what I'm saying, where you can go, this is how good things are going, this is how bad things are going, or here's the mixed bag, and be proactively teachable and coachable. Why do I say that? Here's the (laughs) punchline. I did something a number of years ago here. I'm just going to do it again. How many of you here have been discipled um, to be a small group leader? Think of that. This is not a shaming, but think about it. How many of you have been taught? We've all been taught. How many of you had experience in small groups? How many of you have been discipled in being a small group leader? This is not to anybody's shame. Not at all. Years ago, one of those few times where God, you know, sort of out here speaks to me. He just got... Out of nowhere, I was weeding my garden, which, that was in Idaho, and it was my wife's garden. And I only did it, I I was just looking for points. (laughs) And I'm just picking weeds, and God just speaks to me. He goes, many of my people have been taught, but few of them have been disciples. Hmm. And that hit me. I mean, I, I've done a lot of self-teaching and all that. Fortunately, I had a lot of mentoring. Did you know that you can't give what you haven't received? You can't give what you haven't received. So one of my encouragements to you all is, look, what <laughs> who you are, what you're doing is ridiculously important for your own perp- uh, uh, personal growth and the people that are going to be entrusted to you, Right? and the fact that you are as fruitful as you are without being actively discipled as leaders, how much more fruitful, how much more influential will you be when you say, hey, I'm going to figure out ways to to coach myself up, to not just meet every quarterly and just get some information, but to actually, how can we as a group, how can we raise our game get ourselves coached up so we can be discipled as small group leaders. Right. See, this gives you another reason why whatever all the other stuff you're doing, you're going to have to give some of that away so you can do your coaching job. <laughs> that was a drive-by prophecy. All right. anyway, so you all know how good you are at what you're doing. You do. And you know how healthy this church is. You do. Otherwise, it wouldn't be here. This is a fairly successful church. And the small group leaders haven't even been discipled as small group leaders. Imagine you guys getting coached up and learning new ways um, how to expand and new ways of how do I get more people involved? How do I coach people? How do I develop people? Get that conversation going and keep it going. The Sky's the limit for you guys sky's the limit. So, that's all I have to say. I hope that wasn't too, but really, I mean, I, I took you a long route, but if you've never been discipled as a small group leader, you're going to produce fruit. God's going to use you. And you, know, and you get to heaven, and you'll get a couple you know medals, and maybe, maybe you'll get a color TV. But if you go, w- no matter what I think I'm capable of doing, I'm going to get coached up. Where I'm strong, I'm going to get stronger. When I'm weak, where I'm weak or afraid, I'm going to see how I can get better at it. You know, wh- whatever it is, you start doing that, your fruitfulness will increase, your personal growth will increase, your capacity to influence others will increase, and in heaven, you'll have a 60-inch flat-screen TV mm. with... ESPN Classic. Yeah, anyway, some of you are going, who cares? So I'm going to pray for you, and then I want to minister for a while. Uh, how late are we going to go? It's 8.30? Is that what you said? 8.30-ish. Ish. We're in Minnesota. Ish can mean until I'm done. All right, Lord Jesus, sometimes you put us in places where we, we don't see the value of it, but once we see the value of it, it just it, it awakens something in us. It brings hope, a desire, not to be more loved, but to be more effective and even to change. It's true, and you know, when we when we have our first first children, we see the responsibility. and We go, "Oh God, help change me so I can be a great parent." God, for us as leaders, would you? Would you expand us? And, and, and would your why be more a part of our why than it's ever been before? God, I, I ask that these small group leaders, these would not only be very fruitful, they'd multiply. And out of just coaching each other up, raising each other's game, being actively pursuing, better ways to lead people God may there be the development of a leadership culture that will just continue to grow continue to expand God I ask that you would do this for our sakes God would you do this for the sakes of the people that we say we care about and and, and for the people that you will entrust to us And would you do that for the sake of your name, which we carry with us wherever we go. Amen. There you are.